You're listening to We've Got Something to Say with Daryl and John. Okay, Daryl, about uh, President Obama, what do you think? Well, you know, uh, he, he ran a very disciplined campaign. Yes, he did. And I know all along the way, there were many, including media pundits, who second-guessed him. Yeah, he was unflappable. He didn't spend any time trying to answer. Uh, it was more like, just just watch. I got this. Well, you know, the it, it's, it's really, uh, you know, and a lot of people have commented on it. It's absolutely remarkable how disciplined his campaign was and how well managed it was. It, it, it was just an amazing thing to see. I think he did two things, Daryl. He married old school and new school politics together. Yeah. He took all this great technology. He knew how to use it. And then he took old school politics, rallies, get out the vote, connecting people at a ground level. You know, that whole community organizing experience. And that is, you know, I, I, I you know, people are talking about, well, this is going to be the new model. I think it is the new model. But if you don't have a candidate who understands it, who embraces those twin ideas, it's just not going to work. Yeah, well, he redefined the paradigm for presidential politics, period, and especially for the Democratic Party, and did it in such a way that one of the consequences, whether it was intended or not, was the destruction of the Republican Party. Yes, yes, yes. That, that's utterly amazing. But you mentioned the old school politics. You know, you and I both are familiar with Chicago politics. And from a basic grassroots level, there is no other place in America quite like Chicago politics. That's, that's true. And, and, you know, let me... Uh, let me digress for a minute. Ed Verdoliak, who was the uh, alderman who led the Verdoliak 29 against Harold Washington, uh, recently got indicted for a kickback scheme. I heard about that. Uh, I'll just say enough said about that. After all this time, that's what they're catching on. Well, it, so, it, it, it took a long while, but they, yeah. they finally, the long arm of the law finally reached out there and tapped Eddie. Fast Eddie. But uh, going back to Obama's campaign, you know, I had gotten, I was concerned because I really thought that America was going to fall for what they would call the okie doke. That they were going to accept a marginally educated vice presidential candidate and equate her experience to Barack's intellectual capacity, his capacity to learn, his capacity to grow and uh, mentally. And had they done that, there would have been no, no premise to sell the value of an education to young African-American and minority students. Well, you know, so, the, the, it, the GOP has become so naked in its grab for power that you know, this is the classic: the emperor has no clothes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's it's become clear that the modern GOP is not about governing. That's not even on their uh, that's not even on their to do list. This is all about: can we get the power, and then can we use the power to enrich our friends, 
and and uh, and do whatever else. But governing that ain't even on the table. We see that, you know, with Iraq. We saw it with Katrina. We see it with education policy. I mean, you just name it. Come up with a, a thousand point list, and the Republican administration, as uh, uh, party, especially under Bush, they failed on every single one of those one thousand points. Every single one. Uh, um, as I consider some of the rallying cries of late, Sarah Palin stimulates the base. <laughs> I think they're going to have to redefine what just who their base is and the size of that base. Well, you know, they, I, I, this I, would have been traditionally red meat support for Republicans uh, got bought out by breadbasket support. That's true. Right? And when you see Confederate and American flags flying on the same pole in front of a house with a yard sign, Obama, Obama, Biden. It tells you the hard work and, and just Carl Rovian style politics. You know, the politics of destruction and negativity just didn't work this time. No, it, it didn't work. And when you see a, a sign like that, and I'd really like to see that, uh, a picture like that. I'd really like to see a photo like that. That tells you that an earthquake has occurred. A 10.0 earthquake. Well, there was a picture like that on uh, a Huffington Post article. Uh-huh. You know, uh, buried uh, within the pages because you know they're constantly turning over. But, right. Uh, it, 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 there's a picture like that, and I found that to be most interesting because there was a rump group. Uh, at least I saw a uh, uh, article on the internet to the extent that that's uh, accurate. They we- call themselves Rednecks for Obama. Well, you know, it, it, that is borne out by when you look at the post analysis of the election. He won wide, and in with many, many groups, he won really deep. So he really changed the electoral map, and he pushed the Democratic Party. Uh, and you got to give Dean uh, Howard Dean some credit too, because in two thousand four, he when he when he when he took over the party, I don't know exactly what. The, what the year was, 2004, 2006, when he became head of the Democratic Party, that was part, that was his principal strategy, was to do a 50-state campaign. And uh, it just so happens, the nominee was somebody who fully embraced that strategy. That was part of Barack Obama's strategy, to go 50-state, to campaign in areas where the Democrats had literally just quit campaigning, just said, oh, you know, we're going to lose there, uh, which never made any sense to me. But you can't um, concede any ground if, if you're in a campaign to win it. You can't concede any ground. Exactly. You can't run for president of the of the 26 states of America. And all of a sudden, you know, you're just basically saying the rest of you in the country don't count. And it's interesting that essentially, without saying it, that's what the uh, GOP, that's what the Republicans have done. And I think that was part of Karl Rove's strategy. We're going to win by winning, uh, we're going to try to win 50.1% of the American public. And most importantly, that's how we're going to govern. We're going to govern for the people who voted for us, and we care less about the other side. 
That has been the eight years of Republican politics. Actually, it goes back further than eight years. It goes back to Reagan. Now, would you say that this is the repudiation of Reaganomics? Well, that the, that, that the economic conditions of the country at this point uh, is a repudiation of what we saw coming in the 80s. We've heard about trickle-down economics. And I tell you, as uh, one of the not-so-rich, uh, I always felt like it was tinkle-on economics. You know, I got tinkled on instead of it trickling down. <laughs> it never really got downstream to uh, where they said the stock dividends and the extra money uh, would, get to, would get to the street. Right. It, it all seemed to stop with luxury purchases. Well, you know, they say that these uh, we run in these political cycles. And, Daryl, you know, for a number of years, I've said, I think that uh, these things run in political cycles. And I think we are coming to the end of Reaganism, which was, you know, which was this whole notion that the government's the problem. And it really comes from a person who really didn't understand government. And uh, other than the fact that he hated government, he hated, uh, uh, you know, the fact that somebody else was trying to tell or set a set of common, or establish a set of common standards for how, quote unquote, the country is going to work. But you know, it's very interesting. Reagan left the Democratic Party the day or two after uh, uh, the Democrats got behind desegregating this country, desegregating the armed forces and all the rest of it. Well, I was going to say, uh, these people who are for smaller government uh -huh. are people who are for uh, uh, states' rights, regardless of if the state rights are pimp rights or not. Exactly. Exactly. And the states were, de were, were segregating schools, segregation now, segregation today, segregation forever. They resent the fact that Kennedy sent the federal government in yep. to, to make sure that we lived up to the Constitution. And yeah. they've been against uh, what they call large government ever since. Uh, exactly. And what they want is feudalism government. Yeah, exactly. The, the Republicans are not against big government. They're just against big government. They're not big government. They're just against government helping minorities, especially black they're, folks. They're against government that stops them from running their own agendas, regardless of how tyrannical, how oppressive their agendas are. Exactly. Uh, you know, dig up the dig up the land, uh, destroy the environment, and then uh, leave the residue for everybody else to clean up. I think the way we put it today is privatize the, all the gains and socialize all the losses. You know, as long as I'm doing okay, I want all those benefits to flow to me as an individual. But when right. things go south. Well, let's push all that out on the uh, American public, the taxpayer. Let everybody else pay for the losses. But all the gains I should, you know, should accrue to me. That's behind, you know, the, this whole housing collapse and, and all the rest of this chaos. Uh, but, you know, there, there's a lot to talk about. And I think Barack's election suggests that 
while we know Hispanic vote is not a uh, monolithic vote like the black vote is, when the majority Hispanics and African Americans and blacks form a coalition, that's a pretty powerful voting block and only going to get stronger uh, as the, uh, the demographic shift in this country. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's the old divide and conquer strategy, Daryl. Now, I would hope that the gay, lesbian, and transgender society, which is made up of many blacks and many Latinos. Oh, Asians uh, as well, of course. Asians will, will, will not fall for that. Daryl, uh, if 100% of black people in California voted against, uh, voted for that measure, if 100% of them, that measure still would have failed. Right. And that certainly, it, it would have failed by a long shot. That this is just the right trying to figure out now how can we create a wedge issue between these various groups, and but it also and you you hit on the key point there, Daryl. It also shows how they're thinking old school, especially as it regards young people, because the young people are not thinking of themselves necessarily in terms of all these little individual blocks. Like, okay, right. you got the black folks here, you got the white kids here, you got the Latinos here. They still see that, but they're thinking of themselves more as just young people. Right. Uh, this whole notion of, of, of racial groups as being distinct and somehow just unreconcilably different, that is not strong, strong, strong within these young people, and they don't see it that way. They don't necessarily see the world that way anymore. I think that's a good thing, a very good thing. But it now, shows. You know what I found interesting was the, the wedge issues that both sides tried to use as rallying cries. You know, there are a number of young people today of, of uh, Barack's support told that they heard about Dr. King. They they weren't around to actually see. The night they knew when the clubs were coming out, the police dogs were being uh, picked on people. But some of them got a quick uh, education when they went back into some of these small towns, rural areas, when they heard the, the, the vitriolic and vile terminology, the racist terminology used against Barack Obama, then these young folks were saying, wow. Where is this coming from? Exactly. They've never experienced that firsthand before. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think this is going to be a bit of an awakening for, for some of them that have only, they thought, oh, these are old world stories by older generation, and it's not like that anymore. Well, it's not as blatant anymore, but it is very subtle, and it is still, you know, alive. Now, we're in a better position to deal with race, and have real conversations about race. But we need to realize that there are some people who are never going to get it and don't want to get it. And those are largely the people who are strong, strong Sarah Palin supporters. Well, Daryl, uh, we're going to have to wrap up this week's podcast. And I thank you for joining me. Uh, stay tuned for the next podcast. We've got something to say. Thank you for joining us. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye.